Welcome to the Bone Coach Show, dedicated to helping you understand all things related to diet, lifestyle, bone health, and how you can live and thrive with low bone density and osteoporosis. I'm your host, Kevin Ellis, certified health coach, health and wellness speaker, and above all else, your bone coach. After being diagnosed with osteoporosis in my early 30s, I transformed my health through diet and lifestyle and now help my clients and community members do the same through my online coaching practice, Bone Coach. Look, there are no quick and easy cures for low bone density, but the choices we make every single day can have a powerful impact on our bones, our health, and our general well-being. I'll share the research, interview the experts, and help you figure out how to get the conditions right in your body so you can better your bones through diet and lifestyle. Short disclaimer, I'm not a medical doctor, and this show should not be considered medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare team before making medical decisions and changes to your diet and lifestyle. With that being said, let's get on with the show. Imagine if you can help to restore function and health to the endothelium, to the lining of your blood vessels. What if we could make our blood vessels healthier? Well, we could get nutrients to the cells and we could remove waste products from the cells as well. We know that our circulatory system tends to stiffen and become less functional as we age. So what if there were, what if the bioregulators could help to restore some function to that circulatory system? So the, the blood vessel bioregulator underpins almost any protocol that you'll see when people are using bioregulators to enhance people's health. If you haven't done so already, especially if you're newly diagnosed with osteopenia or osteoporosis, or if your most recent bone density scan still showed more bone loss, go ahead and pause this episode and head over to bonecoach.com to sign up for your free seven-day osteoporosis kickstart guide. That's going to give you everything you need step by step by step over the next seven days to get on the path to improvement and stronger bones. You won't want to miss that. So pause this right now, head over to bonecoach.com and I'll be here as soon as you get back. Welcome, welcome to this episode of The Bone Coach Show. Joining us today to explore biohacking, peptides, health span, and longevity is Natalie Nidham. Natalie Nidham is a podcast host, longevity biohacker, holistic nutritionist, human potential, and epigenetic coach, and a self-proclaimed science geek with a passion for human health. A few years ago, Nat stumbled upon peptides at a health optimization conference. She was captivated by the potential these tiny proteins seemed to offer. This became the catalyst for the launch of her large and growing Facebook community, the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group, to feed the growing interest in these incredible compounds. A year later, she launched the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast, which is now rated as a top 100 podcast in the U.S. and Canada in its category. Nat's passion is looking at longevity through the lens of all we can do in all areas of our lives to promote vibrant health, boundless energy, and a healthy mind and body. She works with clients one-on-one, manages two large and growing communities, and speaks frequently at international conferences on the regenerative powers of peptides and peptide bioregulators. Nat, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to having you here. So let's talk about, uh, I know you mentioned that you came across peptides at a conference uh, a while back, and that was what piqued your interest. But before that, you were already interested in longevity, health span, things like that. How did you get into the field of health, longevity, biohacking, peptides? Um, you know, I mean, look, health has always been a passion of mine. I studied physiology was when I was in university, and I've always been kind of fascinated with science, human health, that kind of stuff. I did spend most of my career in a completely unrelated field, um, kind of in, you know, ad sales and 
marketing, that kind of world. But I was always a fitness instructor through, you know, from the time I was a teenager, as soon as I was old enough to do that, that's, that was my side hustle, if you will. And that kind of always kept me connected to this, to the health space in some way, shape or form. And, um, and about 12 years ago now, I woke up one day and decided, you know, enough is enough. I've had enough of this moving money around for other people. I'm going to go back to school and do something I'm really interested in. And that's when I went back to school to become a, a nutritionist. And that's, you know, kind of snowballed from that into all the other things. And, uh, you know, it was 12 years ago, I think probably was, it was really the beginning of the, the biohacking movement as we know it today. Like the first the the first bulletproof conference I went to of Dave Asprey's was in Pasadena. It was, you know, this tiny little exhibit hall. It was the first year that they launched their human uh, potential coach training program. And that's the cohort I was a member of. And if I think back to that, and then I think back in June to the conference I attended of his, where I actually moderated a panel, it's like, man, things have changed <laughs> in so many different ways. So um, I don't remember why I was telling you that, but basically, you know, it's it's this this idea of allowing and enabling the body to heal itself, um, honoring the fact that the human body has these regenerative powers and that we, you know, in our modern life have thrown a whole lot of obstacles in its way. And And two things are true, right? On the one hand, we're at a really exciting time because there's regenerative medicine available to us. There's obviously we've, for the most part, um, dealt with a lot of infectious disease, diseases that used to take humans out early in the game. Um, we've extended lifespan. And I think for those of us who are fortunate enough to have the luxury, we're now really obsessed with health span. So now not only do we want to be around a really long time, but we also want to look good. We want to be mobile, more than mobile. We want to be physically able. We want to have be sharp cognitively. We want to be drinking from the fountain of life and contributing back. And so, you know, and I think that's really the heart of the biohacking movement is this obsession with not dying and living well at the same time. And I think that's so important. I mean, I hear this all the time from people. I actually spoke to somebody very recently who told me they wanted to not just live to 120, but wanted to be jumping out of planes then. And I was like, you know, that's pretty amazing. But um, I love to hear that people, they want better quality life ahead. They don't want to be in pain. They don't want to have all those aches and all those kinds of things. And they also want to be able to keep up with their kids and their grandkids and not give up all the sports and the things that they love. And I think that's yeah. so no, a hundred percent. And I think that not only do they want it, but I think people are starting to understand that it's it is it's doable. It's accessible. If we can, if we can manage to avoid the big, the big things that seem to take people out before their time, um, and play our cards right, then it's incredible what's available, what's accessible to us now, and the the pace at which things are coming online. Right? We it's it's pretty remarkable. So let's talk about this the the big topic that you're really focused on now, which are peptides. We haven't talked about this, I don't think, on this podcast yet. Maybe it's come up, you know, a word here or two there, but we haven't really explored the topic. So maybe you could just share with everybody what are peptides? 
Sure. So, I mean, so peptides are really, peptides, just another word for a small protein. And if your audience hasn't been exposed to the peptides we're going to talk about today, they're probably sitting there going, oh yeah, I put collagen peptides in my coffee all the time. Right. Um, and, and those are a type of peptide, but the peptides we're talking, we're going to talk about today are really signaling molecules. So they're small proteins that act in the body as signaling molecules. Some of them work via receptors on the surface of the cell. And then there's another category of them that actually can traverse into the cell through the cell membrane. Some of them can get into the nucleus and in the nucleus, they will affect the expression of DNA and upregulate the production of proteins. Those typically are referred to as bioregulator peptides. And then the signaling proteins, the ones that attach to receptors on the, on the, on the cell membrane, can both be, they can also in some ways affect gen, um, gene expression, or they initiate signaling cascades that initiate different processes in the body. So basically when we're talking about peptides in this space, we're talking about, like I said, signaling molecules and or epigenetic switches. These compounds are all naturally occurring in the human body. All of them exist usually as fragments of different proteins in the body. So they are not, it's not like a drug that's completely foreign or that may shut down a pathway. It's really something that the body will recognize and that will, what's great about them in their best, in, you know, in the best sense is that by being a signaling molecule or an epigenetic switch, all it's doing, it's turning things on and off in your body and allowing your body to proceed with the cascade as it sees fit with all the negative feedback loops and whatever else has to happen from there. The challenge with peptides, um, just before people get too, too excited and start jumping up and down in their chairs, which is what happened to me the first time I heard about them, is that they're not, many of them, well, for the, the lion's share, are not approved by the FDA or by Health Canada where I live. Um, so they kind of live in this funny little gray zone. Um, conventional medicine and the pharma companies are very aware of peptides and you, people who are listening to this podcast will have heard of some of the most famous ones. The first one being insulin, which is a peptide, a very important signaling molecule. But then more recently, compounds like semaglutide or terzepatide, otherwise referred to as Ozempic and Munjaro, are essentially peptides that pharma companies studied got very excited about and modified so that they could patent them and then re-release them to out into the world as patented drugs to that are very powerful um, for changing body composition and helping type two diabetics to not be so diabetic or not be diabetic at all. Sure. And then, and then there are a whole other um, group of peptides that we'll talk about here very shortly too, but maybe you can also explain what are bioregulators? Cause I know that plays into this as well. Yeah. So the bioregulator peptides are essentially a subset of the longer chain peptides. So the longer chain peptides, those are the ones that I mentioned are more like they're, um, they are more commonly, they'll bind to receptors on the surface of the, of a cell membrane, right? So those would be what people might've heard of the, that world might be BPC-157, which is body protective compound. That's what the BPC stands for. 157 signifies the one to 57, the amino acids, um, that is sequence 
from the bigger peptide that lives bigger protein, if you will, that naturally occurs in the gut. And one thing I didn't say just to keep people with us, for those of you who don't have much of a science background, is that proteins are made up of amino acids. And there's 20 amino acids. Nine of them are essential, which means they are amino acids we need to get from our diet. We can't make them ourselves. The rest of them, we can take those. It's a little bit like your primary colors, right? Your red, yellow, blue. Once you got red, yellow, blue, you can make any other color in the rainbow. The essential amino acids we need to get from our diet or an external source, and then we can make all the other amino acids from them. Now, peptides are made up of those any of those single amino acids arranged in a very specific configuration and then folded in a very specific way, which is what how proteins occur in the body. Um, so the bioregulator peptide, to answer your question specifically, is at most four amino acids long and as few as two amino acids. And they are, every one of them, they are of that category that can cross into the nucleus of the cell, which is that little brain in the middle of the cell, and this is where your DNA, your genetic material lives, and they can essentially bind to the DNA. And in many cases, they'll get the DNA to unfold, right? So your DNA helix is like this wrapped, people are watching this, they're watching me try to do a yoga move with my fingers, which doesn't work so well, but they're kind of like this spiral of two chains of, of, of bases that, that, like it's that beautiful spiral. In order for that spiral to to do anything, in order for proteins to be made from the spiral, it needs to unfold so that then it can be read. And so I'm not going to go any further down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> basically there needs to be an unfolding and then the regulator peptide will bind to it and then that'll initiate the production of proteins. The bioregulator peptides, there's about 21 of them that we talk about. There are probably a lot more occurring in the human body, but the 21 that have been isolated and, if you will, commercialized by a doctor in Russia by the name of Vladimir Kavinson, who has been studying these things for the last 40 years with a number of other researchers, scientists, and doctors. And those 21 specifically have been isolated and derived from tissues, glands, and organs from animals. So for example, we have a liver bioregulator that is taken from the liver. It's extracted from the liver. There's a heart bioregulator that is natural. This is a protein that's naturally occurring in the heart. Then there's one for the lungs and the kidneys and the pancreas and the pineal gland in the brain, that tiny little pine nut shaped gland in the center of your brain. There's another one for the central nervous system. So I'm not going to bore you guys with the list. Having said that, every one of those has specific amino acid sequences that very can can essentially help to rejuvenate and restore function from at a cellular level internally. So this is where people start to hear about this stuff and they're like, whoa, that's really cool. Right? <laughs> like that's pretty wild. And so how far does it go? right? Can we, can I just keep taking the heart bioregulator and have like this superhero, superhuman heart? And the answer to that is not really. The way that the bioregulators really work is to bring things back to normal or, you know, the fancy way of saying would be bring the body back to homeostasis. Um, but basically it's looking to bring you back to that best, most functioning state. It's not typically going to push you over that line into superhuman performance. Um, okay. I'm going to stop and let you ask a question because, so this doesn't turn into like a monologue on my part. 
No, that's great. I think this is really interesting for people. And I mean, our audience is predominantly uh, 50 to 70 plus. Are there specific peptides, bioregulators that you see that are most beneficial or that 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 our group is most interested in? Yeah. So here's the thing. As a 50 to 70 year old person, we are starting to experience those symptoms of our body not repairing itself as effectively and efficiently as it used to when we were younger. And so we're at a perfect age to be tapping into particularly the bioregulator peptides, right? Because this is where, imagine that one of the analogies I'll give people is imagine that the tread on the tires of your car is starting to wear down. The tire hasn't blown, it's still working, you can still drive, but imagine if instead of having to go get a new set of tires, aka, you know, a replacement of some kind, what if you could restore the tread so that it was more functional? So that's the idea of the bioregulator peptide. So for this age group, which I'm in, bioregulators offer a really interesting opportunity to to do that and do kind of little renovations, a little refresh along the way to avoid things breaking down. Now, I should say that we also have to do all the other work. So let's say we're going to talk about bone health, which I know is the overriding topic of your podcast. And at the end of the day, we can't speak about longevity unless we have good bone health and muscle health, because we're not going to get that health span thing if we don't have good bones and muscles. I have to say that as much as there's a bioregulator called Cartilax, which is the cartilage bioregulator. So what Cartilax stimulates, and it does a lot of different things, but one of the two of the things that it does that are particularly relevant to this conversation is it upregulates the production of collagen and elastin. And so these are components of cartilage, but they're also components of bone. And they're also components of every organ in your body that has to contract and release right down to your blood vessels, right? So we need good collagen and good elastin. We need things to be to be bendy, even bones, because if they don't bend, they break. So it's going to be one of the two Bs, right? So, um, so Cartilax is a really interesting bioregulator for our age group. I mean, every bioregulator is really interesting and important, but this one, based on the topic of your podcast, is really interesting. But here's the thing. You also need the minerals, you also need uh, the protein. You also need the weight-bearing exercise, preferably heavy weight-bearing exercise. You, or maybe you're standing on a vibration plate or maybe, you know, all of the different strategies that we have available to us, whether it's pulsed electromagnetic frequency or katsu bands or the vibration plates, all of these things along with the cartilax are giving the signals to the bone to build but then we need to make sure that the bone has the materials to do the work. So you can have the best contractor in the city in your house. If he doesn't have any tools and materials, not much he's going to be able to do. So, you know, your vitamin D3 status with your K2, like all of these things have to be in place. So one of the things that I really stress to people, especially as I'm talking about bioregulators and peptides and their eyes are getting wider and wider and they're like, holy moly, this is like the answer to my prayers. And this is here's the silver bullet. I found it. <laughs> and that is to just kind of slow them down a little bit and go really powerful, really interesting modalities and not a silver bullet. They can't do the work in isolation. hundred percent. I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of times people hear about complementary technologies or different modalities and they're like, gosh, this is it. This is the thing. Uh, but it's a, it's a complex picture and there are a lot of other pieces that play into it. And you really have to have those foundational things down 
because you could potentially just, if you just focus on a bioregulator, for example, you could potentially still have bone loss because you didn't address these other pieces, right? Mm -hmm. Or you could bring in one of these other complementary technologies, the PEMF or the vibration plates. I hear this stuff all the time or the single supplement that is the thing. <laughs> that bone bone, exactly. <laughs> right, it's, it's not the thing though, because there are a lot of other pieces. It's multifactorial. So I'm so glad you pretty much said, get that foundation in place. And then you're probably gonna get better use out of your investment in these other things, including bioregulators. Yeah, I mean, they will they will amplify everything that you do and they may help to give this, that specific signal where you need it. So yeah, so I mean, in terms of other bioregulators that would be helpful for our, our topic, the pineal gland bioregulator, if if anybody's heard of a bioregulator, generally speaking, they've heard of a bioregulator by the name of epitalon or epitalon. So that's E-P-I-T-A-L-O-N. Um, and epitalon is the pineal gland bioregulator. So your pineal gland is a little pine nut shaped gland. It's itty bitty in the center of your brain, and it is central to your existence. It is responsible for melatonin production. It's responsible for establishing your circadian rhythm and, and maintaining it. It also is responsible for, um, it's, it's, it has a, it's kind of like the conductor for your endocrine system. So from an upstream, very upstream effect, it can have a balancing effect on all of your hormones in your body, which we know there's a bunch of them that come into play when it comes to bone health. Um, and finally, it it seems to activate an enzyme called telomerase. And telomerase is the enzyme that allows us to maintain healthy telomeres on the ends of our DNA. And those telomeres are what essentially limit or allow for the, the duplication of DNA so that it can just keep replicating over and over and over again, which is kind of what we need. Um, when people use the pineal gland bioregulator, the idea is that all of these things starts to normalize. And studies in elderly people have shown that it can restore melatonin production in elderly people. And melatonin, as we know, not only is really good for sleep, but it's a very powerful antioxidant. Plus, if we're sleeping better, we might make a bit more growth hormone. We might heal better from the day. Like many, many, many different things fall into place when our sleep quality improves. Same goes with circadian rhythm. If we can, if we can use this to help to restore our circadian rhythm, everything's going to be better, including all the things we're talking about that you talk about every day. Um, and then, of course, having a balancing effect on hormones is going to be beneficial in a million ways. So next, people might be wondering, well, is there any evidence? Is there any human studies? Are there any human studies? And why isn't my doctor writing me a prescription for this stuff? So there are human studies. There are clinical trials that were done. The problem is they were done in a place far, far, far away called Russia and or Ukraine or Croatia. So all of these other places. There is now a fair amount, I think, of academic in, um, interest in bioregulators in places like Stanford, like big universities in the US. It is definitely has been on their radar for quite a while. They haven't particularly come out with a lot of stuff for the mainstream yet. I have a feeling it's coming. And I actually met with someone today who is a Russian physician and researcher who worked in Russia for 30 years under Dr. Kavinson and studied bioregulators and is 
you know, industriously working with different biotech companies, working with different universities, talking about how they can bring this stuff to market. Having said that, Professor Cavinson did a couple of very seminal clinical trials on humans early, quite a long time ago that seemed to demonstrate that in particular, and I mean, they've done their studies on all the bioregulators, but for the pineal gland bioregulator, what was really interesting is he took a bunch of 65 to 75 year old people and he followed them for 12 years. And one group of that, that one group of people in that age group, and these were men and women, half the people got um, a polyvitamin and the, as an injection, and the other half of the group got epitalon or the pineal gland bioregulator, which in the form that he was using was called epithalamin as an injection. They were given this bioregulator for two years. At the end of the two years, the mortality rate, because this is what he was looking at, the mortality rate of the group that got the pineal gland bioregulator was about, I think it was about half of the group that didn't get the bioregulator. And this is at the end of 12 years. He then repeated his trial, but this time with much older people. So now 75 to 85 year olds. And because they were older, he figured 12 years might be too much to ask. So let's just look, follow them for six. And now he had three groups. He had one group that got the polyvitamins. One group got the pineal gland bioregulator. And the other group got the pineal gland bioregulator and the thymus bioregulator. So the thymus gland, as many of you will know, is the seat of your immunity. And as we age, and this starts to happen long before we're 50, that thymus gland starts to involute and it loses function. So if we were to sit here and think about all of the th ways that we die, many of them go can be followed right back to a dysfunctional immune system. And so if we can optimize immunity, a lot of things start to go right in the system because we address inflammation and we know that inflammation is at the root of pretty much anything we can think of. That is not what we want. So between those three groups, at the end of six years, the polyvitamin group, 88% of them were gone. The people who got the pineal gland bioregulator did better. I believe in that case, it was maybe 55. I keep forgetting to look up the exact numbers. Uh, maybe 55% were still around. And in the group that got the pineal gland and the thymus gland bioregulator, only 33% mortality. So it was a dramatic impact on longevity for on health on lifespan for these people. So next people are going to say, well, okay, fine. So they lived longer. Did they feel any better? And it turns out that there were a number of metrics that were better for these people. They, well, to start with, they were alive. So they were super happy about that. But on top of that, they had a better sense of well-being. Their melatonin production had been restored. So they were sleeping better. Their immune system was stronger. And in addition, even their bone density was improved. It was better. So, and their work, there's a couple of other things, but basically it even just the pineal gland bioregulator and the thymus gland bioregulator were enough of a stimulus for people to be healthier overall. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And that's, this is really, really interesting. And maybe are there any other bioregulators that you think are important for us to know about? I know we just touched on, you touched on uh, two of them, Cardilax and Epitalon. Are there any other ones you think are yeah. important? Well, and thymus. So yeah. I, I mean, look, like I said earlier, they're all important, but let's talk about a few other ones. So there's a blood vessel bioregulator. 
right? So the blood vessel bioregulator, imagine if you can help to restore function and health to the endothelium, to the lining of your blood vessels. What if we could make our blood vessels healthier? Well, we could get nutrients to the cells and we could remove waste products from the cells as well. We know that our circulatory system tends to stiffen and become less functional as we age. So what if, there were, what if the bioregulators could help to restore some function to that circulatory system? So the, the blood vessel bioregulator underpins almost any protocol that you'll see when, when people are using bioregulators to enhance people's health. Um, another one that would be super, inter- I mean, look, <laughs> you know, would you rather be without kidneys or a heart? Hmm, I don't know. I mean, I guess on the one hand, you could just go for dialysis every day, but there's a heart bioregulator, there's a kidney bioregulator, there's an ovarian bioregulator, which is going to be probably a little less important to our to this age group that we're talking to. But nevertheless, there might be some value in supporting the ovaries, even as they age, because they're still kind of doing stuff, right? They don't disappear. There's an adrenal bioregulator, the adrenal glands as we age, as we become more stressed, definitely need support. So using things like adaptogens and, you know, managing our stress levels and getting enough sleep, getting calcium, getting magnesium, getting vitamin C, vitamin B5, all of these things support the adrenal glands. But what if we have a bioregulator that can kind of help them to restore themselves from within? We have a bioregulator for the thyroid. At this stage of the game, I'm almost ready to say that virtually nobody over the age of 50 has a fully functional thyroid. I, I, I just... It's shocking to me, the number of people who have some degree, even if it's subclinical, of underactive thyroid or on the other side of it, an overactive thyroid, although we're seeing the underactive. And is it the MFs? Is it is it the toxins that we're exposed to? Is it the lack of grounding? Probably all of those things. Is it bad food? Like not even bad food, but foods that are not not being tolerated by our body. There's a million different reasons. There is a bioregulator for the thyroid that we can weave into protocols to help to support the thyroid. So I'm going to stress this again and again. It's part of the program. It's not the program. What I think is also bears mentioning on the bioregulator front is that there are bioregulators in organs, like in the organs that we might eat. So people who eat a nose-to-tail diet, a true nose-to-tail diet, where they're eating all the bits and bobs that the rest of us don't want to eat, are getting to some degree access to some of these bioregulators from the animal foods that they're consuming. Taking it up a notch to get it in, let's say, um, not quite as concentrated as the bioregulator peptides, but more concentrated than if you eat like three ounces of liver, might be a desiccated liver supplement or any of these organ supplements like the heart and soil, the what's the ancestral supplements, like all of these companies that are taking animal organs, usually from very clean, grass-fed, happy, healthy animals, and they're taking those organs, encapsulating them and, and bringing them back, bringing them to the market. And you will often read on their websites testimonials from people who experienced transformational health benefits from these things. And so- you know, I think there's many different ways for us to access them, even without going as far as saying, okay, I'm going to take a supplement called a bioregulator peptide. And I even, I love that you mentioned eating a nose to tail diet and getting some of these other foods in that a lot of people just, it's 
not in most of our diets today for most people. They're not getting collagen. They're not getting organ meats. And you can, there are ways to get that. You can get the desiccated liver. You can also, uh, there is a company called Force of Nature is one. Mm -hmm. I actually just talked about this recently. They, where they bring in some of the organ meats into just ground beef that's regenerative and it's great. And you can't even taste it. You know, if you're, especially if you're trying to bring it into your family, like I do with my kids and get them to eat organ meats and they have no idea. No, I make a pot of chili with like organ meat ground into your ground beef, add in a bunch of delicious spices and nobody's the wiser. (laughs) Oh, well, my wife said one day, she's like, this meat tastes a little bit different than the other one. I was like, this is no big deal. Same thing. (laughs) Does it taste bad? No, it's just different. Awesome. Enjoy. (laughs) Oh yeah. So I, I think there, there are ways to get these nutrients in and, you know, sometimes it could be a pill. Sometimes it could just be exploring maybe something else in the uh, meat section or the freezer section or wherever you are uh, to find out what that looks like. So uh, I think some of the other questions that come up in people's minds are, okay, we're learning about these really cool peptides, bioregulators, the potential they have, but there's some gray area in Canada and the U S and where do you get them? Yeah. How are, how are they administered? I think those are some other questions that people are probably thinking right now. Yeah. I was just sitting here thinking, I really, I've just only been talking about the oral ones. I haven't even gone to the other, to that other dark place. So there's different ways of accessing uh, bioregulators. So bioregulators can be administered either through capsules, like we're talking about, which are actual extracts from animal organs. So for anybody who has an issue with consuming animal foods, these are not going to be most likely acceptable to them. Having said that, they're the, that, that amino acid sequence, that exact two to four amino acid sequence for most of these bioregulators has been identified and it can be resynthesized in a lab. So now we get into the world of synthetic bioregulators. So this is where we, we have the exact same amino acid sequence in the exact configuration. And, you know, people will be sitting there going, oh, it's one, two, two, two. you know, they're imagining it as a chain. These are 3D these are 3D molecules. So you can have the same two amino acids arranged differently and they will be completely different bioregulators. They'll have completely different effects. So the synthetic bioregulator can be acquired either as a sublingual spray. So a spray drops that you put right under your tongue and you, we know that from under the tongue, we can absorb many, many things right into the bloodstream. The advantage of that is doesn't have to go through the digestive tract. And then the third way, which is probably most people's least favorite way, but they are the fastest acting would be the, the synthetic bioregulators can be introduced by subcutaneous injection. So that's a very fancy way of saying basically delivered into the layer of fat right under the skin, usually around the belly or the hips. And it can be injected right there. Usually this is a self-injection um, like like a diabetic might use insulin. And so that's the third way of administering the bioregulators typically. On the other side of the chain, like those other peptides that we haven't spent too much time talking about today, many of those for the most part cannot be used orally. BPC-157 is one of the few that actually gets a buy in the gut because it comes from the gut, so it's native. Um, but most of the other peptides like thymosin beta-4, thymosin alpha-1, um, I'm trying to think of ones that people might have heard of before, melanotan-2, for example, which is like the tanning peptide. Thymosin alpha-1 is an immune peptide. Thymosin beta-4 is a repair peptide and an immune peptide. 
BPC-157 is a repair peptide and many, many other things. Those other than BPC-157 typically have to be injected um, because they're, they're longer chains and they would be digested if we ate them. Um, there are definitely people hard at work trying to make them orally bioavailable, but that's still for the most part a work in progress. On the bone side, one thing I, I should say is that even on the other side of peptides, there are peptides that seem to have benefits for bone health. Now, once again, I'm going to repeat, these are in the gray zone. They're, you know, they're not, they're not, um, they're not going to be available at your drugstore. The good news is that um, an increasing number of functional medicine doctors are becoming educated about these and are using them in their practice. So if you're working with a functional medicine doctor who is using peptides in their practice, they will be getting their peptides from compounding pharmacies by and large. The biohacker crew, these are the people who like to take matters into their own hands and don't want to wait too long for anything to bubble up through the, the system they will go to research labs and buy their bioregulators online. So you will hear a lot of people like Peter Atia and different big names out there warning people about buying your peptides online. And I would say they're very right because there's no way to tell when that vial comes in the door, there's literally no way for you to tell what's in that vial or what isn't in that vial. So to that end, I mean, in my community, we vetted a couple of very, very, good quality research labs that we know regularly test their product that that have had a great track record with our communities. And those are the only ones we tend to recommend. I would say that research labs are popping up like mushrooms these days. And you can get a vial of BPC-157 anywhere from $5 to $500, depending on where you're getting it. Um, so my advice to people, do your homework get advice from someone in the space who knows what they're doing, especially if you're going to source your peptides yourself online and never go for the cheap stuff. Like just don't, unless you're the one synthesizing it and you know exactly what, what is in there and what isn't in there. If it's five bucks a vial, you get what you pay for. And I've seen it. I had a, I had a partner once who he was, this was at the very beginning of when I was getting interested in peptides. And the two of us were the two people who actually started my Facebook community originally and he's like, Nat, I just found BPC-157 for 10 bucks a vial. I just ordered 30 vials. I am stoked. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. 20 minutes later, I get a picture on my phone. <laughs> and like, holy jumping. And he had like hives all over his body. So we don't know what was in that vial. We don't know what wasn't in that vial. All I can tell you is it was not what was at, as advertised. So yes. be smart folks. Like I see people in my Facebook community, it's become, because it's so big now, it's become almost impossible to control. Like people are pushing like these, these small little labs or even big labs. And we do our best not, not to allow it. But at the end of the day, if it was me, if I'm putting stuff into my body that already lives in the gray zone already, we don't have full information about right? We have, we have some information about it. We have, there's some reasonable evidence that they can do good in many cases. Just be smart. You get one body, <laughs> like you get one shot at this thing. So just, and, and don't you don't want to be too cheap. 
<laughs> yeah, you you don't want to take something with the intention of it actually benefiting you, and then have that opposite effect because you you didn't do your homework, your research, or you jumped into something that didn't make sense. Or, yeah, a lot of times you do get what you pay for. I mean, this kind of reminds me of very different things. I mean, peptides and CBD is one that kind of comes where that that comes to mind where the ubiquity of it is now it's everywhere and there are CBD shops all over the place and but the quality of CBD is very very different and yeah. just the name CBD is on it but the quality can vary significantly and i think that goes for for many things too 100% 100% so i did kind of tantalizingly put it out there that there are peptides that have shown some benefit for bones mm -hmm. so there's a category of peptides called growth hormone secretagogues. So these are these are little proteins that signal to your brain to make and release growth hormone. So the cool thing about this, Ray, is rather than taking growth hormone, like synthetic growth hormone from the outside, which is definitely something that people do, but typically it should be under medical supervision, but what's going to happen with that over time is it can shut down your own growth hormone production, particularly if you're taking too much. Um, and growth hormone is a very much a Cinderella compound, right? At the right, if you hit the sweet spot, it's anti-aging, it's rejuvenating, it helps bones to be stronger, it helps fat to melt, it helps you to build muscle, it helps with sleep, it's great for your skin, it's good for sense of well-being, amazing, amazing. If you go over the line on growth hormone and go over overboard, it becomes pro-aging. It is going to age you faster. It is also potentially going to put you at risk to grow things that you don't necessarily want to grow. So we need to be smart, right? We don't want to be deficient in growth hormone. So this is where running labs is really important. Working with your doctor is a good idea. Getting a sense of where growth hormone levels are before you start. And usually that's determined by a value on your lab work called IGF-1. So IGF-1 is something that's produced in the liver in response to growth hormone. It's not a perfect, it doesn't exactly tell us, but it gives us a sense of, are you high or low? And at least if you, if you were to use something like a growth hormone secretagogue, you would at least be able to, after four weeks, eight weeks, or 12 weeks, which I would say is as long as you'd want to use it without taking a break, you can then repeat your labs and see what impact did this have on my IGF-1. And that's really, really important to do. Um, BPC-157 and thymosin beta-4, these are two uh, repair peptides, both of them. In instances where I've sometimes worked with clients where there's been a bone fracture, in particular, one woman who had a non-union fracture. So this is one of these like bone fractures that just won't heal. Um, and she was heading for surgery and she was a friend. She was actually in my cohort in the at, with the coach training way back in the day. And she said, hey, now I hear that you're kind of into these peptide things. Is there anything I can do? And so I'm like, hmm. I don't know. So I went and at the time I went and consulted with my mentor and I came back and I said, okay, there's this healing stack call, which it uses BPC-157, thymosin beta-4 and CJC-1295 and ipamorelin. So the CJC-1295 ipamorelin are the growth hormone secretagogues. They're used together. Then there's the BPC-157 and the thymosin beta-4. We gave her a protocol. She executed it for eight weeks. I didn't really think anything of it. A couple months later, I get an email going, 
holy jumping. You're not going to believe what happened. <laughs> I went to my, my surgeon, my, my, um, I went to my, what are they called? I want to say osteopath, but she went to her orthopedic surgeon and he just about fell off his chair. He's like, what have you done? Because basically the bones had knitted together. So they can be very powerful. I'm going to say, had she, you know, she could have augmented that by using PMF if she had access to it. She could have augmented the results by doing blood flow restriction on that arm or anywhere else on her body because that would in naturally increase her own production of growth hormone. Um, you know, so you can you can augment, but definitely that triad of peptides, um, which m many people will call the Wolverine stack, is a very has been shown to be very helpful when people are trying to heal from musculoskeletal issues. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned PEMF there too. I would say PEMF, making sure you've got minerals, proper hydration, all those things are so important when somebody, when somebody has had a fracture and is trying and are trying yeah. to heal also. Uh, but yeah, this is, it's great to know that there are other tools that could potentially help with this too. And again, this is not, these aren't cure-alls by the mm -hmm. way, just for everybody listening, they're not cure-alls, but they could be something that helps you heal in different parts of your body. I think one thing that people probably hear a lot about are also stem cells. Yeah. And could you maybe differentiate between stem cells and peptides too? For sure. So stem cells are they they're they're in your body, right? So they live you make them in your you've got a repository of stem cells in your bone marrow. Stem cells by their very nature, if they're pluripotent stem cells, they need to they need a signal first they need a signal to be released and then they need a signal to be told what to do and what to become so the cool thing about stem cells is that they work through signaling molecules once they're released into the bloodstream they will generally be attracted to areas of inflammation or areas of damage and that's where the chemical signaling happens and they can start to kind of transform into what you need one interesting supplement on the market i don't know if you've heard about this um Kevin, is a, a supplement called Stem Regen. And if I have a client now who is looking for help in healing after a surgery or trying to maybe repair something, we will use this supplement because what this supplement does is it mobilizes your own stem cells. And every dose that you take releases 10 million stem cells into circulation. And I've seen amazing things. And whether it's bone, whether it's heart, whether it's surgical, anything from a healing perspective, even for the brain, this supplement is, it's unbelievable what people can achieve because, and, and it's, you know, and it's one of those supplements that's got a, you know, it's not a cheap supplement, right? It's like 190 bucks a bottle. But if you think about the difference between using a supplement like this, that will help your body to release its own stem cells versus having to get on a plane and fly to Mexico and getting a stem cell injection, <laughs> um, which sometimes is called for, you know, and there are now clinics in the US I know that are doing stem cell work as well. Um, I think that stem cells are super powerful, but this supplement in particular, again, use it as using it as part of your, your healing stack can sometimes be really, really interesting and um, generate very powerful results. This has been fascinating. This is a new topic for people that they probably, they may not have even heard of this before, or maybe they've heard of peptides, they've heard of stem cells, but they haven't really had this kind of an explanation of, of the different peptides, bioregulators, the differences between the two and how they could potentially help them. And I know you said you've got a group. I want to make sure people understand 
uh, where they can find you. Before we get to that, anything else you think is important for our audience to know or understand? I think I think we've covered most of it. I, I just think that, you know, never forget that the foundation is going to be the first thing, the first step you have to take. And, you know, for women in their 50, and I think you said primarily your audience are 50 to 70 year old, primarily women, and not that men don't have bone issues because they do. Um, but this is your time of life, hopefully, to focus on yourself which isn't to say that there aren't a bunch of you out there that are also taking care of elderly parents. And, you know, we, we can be the sandwich generation in many ways. Um, but taking care of yourself at this point becomes critical because this is your window to really influence how you're going to spend the next decades. So making sure that you're sleeping, leaning into proper nutrition. And if you, you know, whatever your diet's going to be, I did a solo episode recently on, look, I'm diet agnostic. I'm not going to preach about any particular diet, but whatever diet you choose, do your homework and make sure that you're providing your body with what it needs. Because it's not really about you. It's about your body. It's about your microbiome. It's about giving, feeding this vessel that is so powerful what it needs to, to deliver what you need. And and doing the work on the, you know, getting outside, grounding, like all the things that we talk about. I'm sure you've talked about all of these things at some time or other. Start there. And then you can start to think about moving into this other stuff because it is really powerful, right? Like the BPC-157, we didn't even talk about it, but it's it's like the the unicorn for healing the gut. And gut healing, you could say, isn't bone healing, but you know what? If your gut is leaky and you're not properly absorbing your food and breaking it down, you can't build good bones because you're not your body's not able to access the nutrients it needs. So our body doesn't operate in silos. We need all hands on deck for any system to be healthy. So I guess I'm just going to repeat, this is a very exciting time. There's so much that's available to us. There's so many new things coming out you know, take care of that foundation, take care of yourself. And that way you're ready to take advantage of things as they come online. Love it. And where can people find you, Nat? So they can find me. So the easiest, the first thing is my website is natnidham.com. And um, so everything's there. I've got the Facebook group that you mentioned, which is the Optimizing Superhuman Performance Group. There's, I have a private membership community, which I spend a lot more time in these days on uh, Mighty Networks. Also means we don't have to speak in code because as we all know, Facebook <laughs> likes to have an opinion about everything that's discussed. Um, so there's a Mighty Networks community, which you can learn about on my website. And there's the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. And then on Instagram, it's just Natalie Nidham, just my name. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Nat, for sharing your knowledge, your expertise about peptides, bioregulators. This was a fascinating conversation. For everybody listening, you can find all the resources, show notes, the links that Nat just mentioned over at bonecoach.com, and I'll link that down below. And I just want to thank you all again so much for your time. We'll see you in the next episode. Hope you found this episode of the Bone Coach Show helpful. You can find all the resources, show notes, everything mentioned over at bonecoach.com. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, be sure to share it with someone you love, a friend, family member, even a group of people. And also be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode that can help you improve your bones, your health, and your future. One last reminder, if you haven't done so already, head over to bonecoach.com for more great resources to help you get on the path to stronger bones and an active future. I'm your bone coach, Kevin Ellis. I'll see you in the next episode.